That was a joke. Let's uh, give Danielle a warm round of applause as she comes up. Today, um, I am so excited. First, let me thank Pastors Mike and Lisa for this very special opportunity. Um, they've called me out to some pretty deep waters lately, and I am so grateful for just the stretching and the challenging and the encouragement and the growth. So this is this is a special place. Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, I usually attend the ten o'clock service, but my name is Danielle, and I started attending Risen King about six years ago. And it was through some very special people, um, some actually here today, who the Lord used um, where I came to know the Lord and fall in love with him. This is a really special place. If you would have told me uh, six years ago that I would be standing here before you, I probably would have gently, or maybe not so gently, laughed. <laughs> you see, I knew about Jesus. But I didn't know that you could have intimacy with him. But what I'm finding is that I'm, as I'm walking in obedience and saying yes to him, then my life is changing. I stand before you a transformed woman because of his grace. I am so excited to be here. So let's pray. Let's invite him, even though we know he's here. Let's invite him again and just welcome his presence. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to just have your way. We love you. You are such a good father. You know exactly what we need. So may the words that we need to hear be your words, and may our hearts be transformed. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of months ago, I watched a TED Talk called Your Body Language Shapes Who You Are. And the woman presenting talked about these different power poses that one should take on before entering an intimidating situation like public speaking or an interview. So I'm going to show you some of these power poses. And the idea is that there's this sort of fake it until you make it mentality, where if you have this nonverbal behavior, you can actually make yourself believe that you are more powerful. Here's another one. Look at that. Have any of you ever done that? I'll admit I was doing that outside before I came. <laughs> I will be the first person to admit that there were several instances in my life where I had to fake it until I made it. You know what I'm talking about? You heard about it, okay. Well, I may have joked that I was a superhero conquering it all. And then I got married. And then I had kids. When you live with your spouse and he knows everything about you, you can't fake it. And kids, they're not going to fake it for you. Trust me. Please just behave. No, they're not going to fake it for you. I can stand before you today and tell you that, that my fake it until you make it stance was developed out of a lie. I had developed this false self of being the girl who had it all together. 
I strived for perfection, and I would do everything in my power to achieve it. It was how I thought love was supposed to be. It was how I survived a difficult home life. I felt if I was perfect, if I performed, I was accepted. And if I was accepted, well, then I was loved. But I realized when I got married, I couldn't keep faking it. My ugliness was coming out. And I realized that I needed something more. I couldn't just live and function out of my own capacity. Now, science has proven that these power poses do make you feel more confident in your own ability. But I want to challenge you with something today. What if we can function with more than just our own ability? What if we genuinely believe that God designed us for more than just our own capacity? What if we started to believe that we are capable of more and viewed ourselves the way that Christ views us? Today, let's think about what happens when we stop living in what we think we are capable of and start living in how Christ knows we are capable. I want us to think about what happens when we stop living this fake it until you make it mentality and live filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we live transformed lives. When we are filled, we are capable of so much more. And there's some solid examples that I want to look at in Acts 2 today of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you didn't know, today is Pentecost. And as we've been exploring the stages of prayer over the past few weeks with Pastor Mike, he asked that we examine just how momentous this occasion is, what this means for us as believers, and what it means for our prayer lives. So before Jesus ascends to heaven, he says to his disciples, wait. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So when Pentecost arrives, everyone's gathered together, and there's this sound like a mighty rushing wind that fills the house where they're gathered. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Okay, so what's going on here? Jesus says to wait, he ascends, a few days later, the Holy Spirit descends, and you have the response varying in degrees from amazement to what? To suspicion, right? So I think it's important to understand what Pentecost actually is in order to understand why this is so momentous. Um, so I took this from one of my husband's seminary books, actually, <laughs> Encountering the New Testament, Pentecost refers to the ancient Hebrew holiday instituted in Moses' time. It took place seven weeks after the Passover observance and is still celebrated by Jews today. The Spirit's intensive presence on this particular occasion serves to symbolize the completion of God's redemptive work through Jesus on Good Friday and Easter, linking it with the onset of a harvest of souls in response to the proclamation of the Messiah's cross. Wow. The privilege of being the first 
to make that proclamation fell to Peter. And it's with Peter and his proclamation that I want to focus on, particularly in the stance that Peter takes as he begins sharing. Um, as I was preparing for this message, I felt really strongly about what Peter is capable of when the Holy Spirit fills him. Um, in this stance, I want to talk about what I'm going to call the Holy Spirit stance, okay? In this stance, the Holy Spirit flourishes. In this stance, Peter is a man transformed. In this stance, there is redemption. And in this stance, the kingdom is changed forever. Can you just imagine Peter's power pose stance? Now listen, we have an obligation to nourish the seed of God in our own impersonal endeavors. There's no question about that. But the transformation is far more remarkable when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I really like this. I took this out of a book called Joy Unspeakable by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he says, um, the moment a man is born again and this divine seed or principle enters into him, the life has started and there is this imperceptible growth. But let a man like that be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let the rain and the sunshine of the Spirit come upon him. Let the love of God be shed abroad in his heart. And you will see him springing up into life and vigor and activity, his sanctification. Everything about him is stimulated in a most amazing and astonishing manner. In other words, the Holy Spirit brings transformation and redemption. Now, most of you know Peter's record of accomplishment. Um, he's not a star pupil, right? Um, this is a man who walked, talked, and lived life with Jesus, and yet he still denied him. If we're honest, it's hard to watch what happens to Peter, isn't it? But are we any different from him? Don't we question? Don't we doubt? Don't we think we know everything? speak for myself. Aren't we stubborn? The good news is that for Peter, the Lord doesn't punish him. Rather, the Lord blesses him with his spirit. Look at what he is capable of when he is filled. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I love how he starts this off. Here is a sign of an excellent communicator because he starts off with a joke. He disarms his audience. He makes them feel comfortable. You want to know why he's going to make them feel comfortable? Because he is about to hit them hard with the truth. Okay? I like this. I feel like there's a sense of sarcasm almost in his voice where he's like, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. So, okay, right? So they start off, they're comfortable. Let's see now. Let's see that hard truth. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, 
blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen, right? So he transitions to start talking about Joel. Now, just to clarify who this audience is, these are devout Jews who are visiting um, for Pentecost. So they are well aware with the words of the Old Testament. Here's another sign of why Peter's an excellent communicator. Not only does he disarm his audience and make them comfortable, but he starts in and, and he tells them the prophecy from the Old Testament. So in a way, by giving his education, he's giving his credibility. He's saying, you may have witnessed something that you think is weird and crazy, but no, this is the real deal. I'm the real deal. I know what I'm talking about, and the prophecy is fulfilled. Um, what I also really like about this, and I think it's important to mention, is that, you know, in the past, there are people of authority who have had the privilege of meeting with the Spirit. Um, but through the prophecy that Peter is saying is fulfilled, everyone is open to receiving the Spirit. I'm a mom. I have two children, Lucas and Madison. The fact that the Holy Spirit can meet my children and is for them, there's no junior Holy Spirit, that he can have an encounter with them, he is worthy to be praised. This also is important because the Holy Spirit is for everyone sitting here. All right, let's continue. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. So what do you see here? What stands out for you? I mean, for me, I see authority and I see hope. He begins by telling them, you did this to him. But make no mistake, God knew this was to happen all along. He knew the Messiah had to suffer at the hands of wicked men. I think the way in which Peter shares this makes it so much more piercing for his audience because it requires that they take ownership of their sin. But listen, in taking ownership of their sin, they can finally reconcile the significance of the cross. Do you hear that? How important is that? That he makes them feel this guilt, but then he brings it to a point where they understand the hope that by taking ownership Okay, so this is why he died for me. This is why I need him. This is why I can trust in him. It just further establishes God as a good God with a magnificent plan for redemption. And then look at how he juxtaposes kind of that guilt with hope when he references Psalm 16. Jesus came so that we will not be shaken. 
Evil is going to exist in this world, but fear not, he has overcome. The authority of the king reigns. There is hope because he is in control. Um, this also really just stood out to me. Um, he chose to die knowing all along and that he did it for me, that I'm the one. And I felt just this strong sense of intimacy um, when I was preparing for this and just reading about this. I love this quote from Rob Reamer, his book, Pathways to the King. The spirit is a seal that gives the king guarantee of his presence. You are so deeply loved by God that you have been saved and you've been invited to intimacy. I mean, look at what Peter is declaring by referencing Psalm 16. Because of his desire for intimacy, because he always wants to be near us, we will not be shaken. Um, a few years ago, I had experienced one of the darkest times in my life. Um, I was in a deep depression. I, I was basically hopeless. You know that verse in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28, when it talks about unloading your burdens and exchanging your heavy yoke for his light one? Yeah, I, there was much unloading in that season. Um, it was messy, and I was messy. Uh, I was dealing with some pretty significant family issues as we were trying to start our own. And things that I thought were under control began to fall apart. And everything that I thought was safe was lost. The illusion of that perfect life that I had created for myself was disintegrating. And the false self that I had couldn't salvage it. But he was faithful. He's always faithful. Because of his desire to draw near to me, I can draw near and draw close to him. I will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. It was in his presence that I experienced the fullness of joy. So while it was a really dark time, I've never felt closer to him. Um, he gave me new dreams. Some I've seen come to fruition. One I'm experiencing right now. And if I could explain it into words, it was just the heaviness of his presence, the heaviness of just being close and just being near. And even though David is referencing uh, Jesus, he didn't let me see decay either. All right, so let's continue. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So how does he leave off? He leaves with instruction, repent and be baptized. This is a promise for all. Um, I'm a teacher, so for me, I like practical you know, ways. So how do I do this? What does this look like for me? How, am I fill how can I be filled? Um, and I actually I took a class. Uh, Gabe mentioned it when he introduced me, called Empower. And it was in that class where I really discovered what it means to be filled. So I'm going to share with you what I learned. This is adapted from uh, Ron and Wanda Warborn. And a couple of things that have really helped me along the way. The first is ask with expectancy but without agenda. Um, listen, let him work his plan for your life. Magnificent change happens 
when we say yes and let him move without putting our own agenda on it, what we think should happen. Let him show you his miracles. He's waiting to lavish his love on us. Let's let him do that. Um, do not compare your experience with others. I was attending a conference in California a couple of years ago. It was actually with Ron. And I said, Ron, I just want something big to happen. I'm just here, and, and I'm ready, and I just want something big to happen. I want to fall on the floor. Like, I want it all. And he said something to me, and, and it convicted me at the time, but I'll never forget it. He said, Danielle, he said, you need to let the Holy Spirit come in the way the Holy Spirit is going to come. Don't compare what's happening with other people to what is happening in you, because he's going to meet you, and he's going to meet you in the way that you need to be met. And so at the time, I was like, that's not what I want to hear, <laughs> you know, but okay, okay. And he was so spot on because it was in that season where I needed an intimate father. It was in that season where I needed a tenderness. I needed gentleness. So while it wasn't a fall-to-the-floor experience, it was one where I was just enveloped in his love. And if I had put my plan or my agenda, I would have missed that. Focus on Jesus. I know that this sounds obvious, but sometimes I think we get so caught in what we're praying for that we forget who we are praying to. He is in control. He knows our hearts. He is a good father. He has the best plan. Keep your eyes fixed on him. The rest will come. Allow your hunger for more of him to grow without demanding instant answers. Okay, I am very guilty of this. I want to pray and I want to hear the answer. I want to see the answer. It's not always possible. And I think if I get too worried and too caught up in not seeing what I think should be there, I can miss what he has for me. So I think it's important to just keep waiting. It's his plan. He knows my heart. He knows what I want. And guess what? He's going to give me something way better than what I thought I wanted. Remember these two important words, command and promise. Okay, command. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a command. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit and promise. We are promised the Holy Spirit. It's what makes the command possible. 1 John 5, 14 to 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. When we pray according to his will, he hears us, he will answer us. It may not look like what we thought it should be, but he hears us. He will show up. If you claim the fullness of his spirit in prayer, he will hear and he will answer you. He will fill you. And then finally, rejoice. Why are we rejoicing? Because he's good. He's kept his promise. And he has filled you with his spirit. So what's the result? What happens at the end of that sermon? Well, we read that 3,000 souls were saved. 3,000. I don't think you're excited. 3,000 souls! Kingdom growth! This is huge! And their numbers 
keep adding. Listen, while what I was talking about was a lot for me and a lot for personal growth and a lot about Peter, we are empowered to go out. We are empowered to make disciples. So yes, it is so important to have the Holy Spirit for our own spiritual growth, but we have a responsibility. There are people out there who are waiting for you, and he will not leave you, okay? Remember back to Acts 1 with the witnesses? Why is he telling them to wait? Because in our own strength, we can only go so far. But when we are empowered with the Holy Spirit, that's when you see a number like 3,000. And guess what? That's not just for Peter. That's for you too. Okay. So, like I said, I was in the Empower course, and one of the assignments that we had to do was listen to a podcast. It was actually also by Ron. And it was called Nourishing the Seed of God Within Us. And he asked the question, what are the people, places, and habits that nourish the seed of God within you? And then conversely, what are the people, habits, and um, places that choke the seed of God? Those are the ones you want to stay away from. So he was talking about this, and he referenced a story about a pastor who was in a luggage line. I don't remember all the details. Sorry, Ron. I told him I was going to use this story, but I, I don't remember every detail about it. But the one thing that stood out was that he was waiting in the luggage line, just striking up a conversation with this woman, and in that moment, she gave her life to the Lord. And the reason why was because that pastor was walking in obedience, he was living the yes to God, and the Spirit was able to move. Now hear that for a second. Because that pastor was saying yes, because he was filled, this woman was saved. And I was really convicted by that when I heard that because at that time in my life, I didn't feel like I was being a light. I didn't feel like I was living a life worthy where someone would, where their life would be changed, okay? So, all right, wrote that paper, didn't really think too much about it. Fast forward to the women's retreat uh, last month. And I had brought a friend along with me. This is someone who I've, we've grown in relationship. We have children together. So it's mostly through play dates. But I said, you know, I think this could be a really good thing for you. Why don't, why don't you come along? No, you know, expectations other than I, she's a friend and I, and I want her to experience this with us. So, you know, I, I wasn't really sure how to prepare, but I was just praying, you know what, Lord, like whatever you want to happen is going to happen. So she comes, she's loving it, she's really just experiencing what's happening, and on Saturday at night, she prayed and she received the Lord into her heart. Yes, this is good, this is good, right? So that night, we were sharing testimonies, and she got up and she she started sharing, and she said, you know, I met Danielle a few years ago, and there was just this peace about her. And she said, I knew that that was something that I wanted. I wanted that peace, and I knew that the only way I was going to get that was through Jesus. And, oh, I don't want to cry. And I thought, Lord, that is why I serve you. And that is why I will serve you for the rest of my life. Because in the midst of the craziness and the chaos I mean, basically our conversations are, Lucas, don't put that in your mouth. <laughs> Brenna, don't run into the street. Even in that, even in that, even in that chaos, 
she saw Jesus in me. She saw the Holy Spirit working in me. I mean, he is worthy to be praised. Amen? Amen. Okay. Oh. When I realized that I was failing miserably in my own strength, um, I discovered just how empowered I could be when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I learn more about Jesus. I grow in intimacy with him. I fall more in love with him. I stopped living in that false self, and I let him call me out as a servant. I'm only capable of being the best me when the Holy Spirit is working. And it's not something that only I desire. It's something that he wants as well. So what am I capable of in the Holy Spirit stance? Forgiveness. I am stubborn. I hold grudges. My poor husband, poor Tim. But with the Holy Spirit, I can see past the transgressor. I have empathy. I have compassion. Authority. I can walk in authority as a daughter of the king. I'm empowered to cast out demons. I can heal the sick. I can pray and see victory. Again, pursue victory in prayer. This is something that I've experienced lately um, as a mentor in Empower. Just understanding going into it, Lord, this is not about me, and it's not about my words, but it's about what you want to be done. And he shows up for those women. I am empowered. I love the lyrics to that song by Bethel, No Longer Slaves. I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. When the Holy Spirit fills me, I grow deeper in intimacy with my father. I understand who I am as his daughter. And I can be in a relationship that's rooted in unconditional love. I'm not a tenant. Remember? Less burden. I can get through a day of difficulty. Um, Like I said, I'm a mom, and life gets crazy. Life gets chaotic. But being able to give my burdens to the Lord has been so freeing. And then worship. It's an act of spiritual warfare. I can praise my God, and the enemy runs. I can praise him through the joy and the storm. I know with blessed assurance who my God is, and who I am in him. So, what is your stance? When I think about who I am without the Holy Spirit, I see a woman who is burdened, who is anxiety-ridden, who is living out of fear. I recall the hatred, the hurt, the bitterness. But when I think about who I am, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I see life transformation. I fell in love with my Jesus, and I'm empowered to move because of what he's doing in me. I realize I don't need to fake it until I make it. I don't need to stand in a superhero pose. I know what a true superhero stance looks like. It's not just standing up straight, hips up, jutting my chin forward. No, it doesn't look like this, but it looks like that. It's the cross. It's reading the word. It's saying, Lord, I surrender to you and all that you have for me. None of this would have been possible without the Holy Spirit working in my life. So today is a day to stop fighting the race alone. Today is a day to stop losing in the battle against yourself. 
Today is a day to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you. Um, I'm going to pray to close this out and to open up the front. The Lord is ready to fill you. Ask him to come. And remember, it's, it's time to stop living in what you think you're capable of and start living in what Christ knows you are capable of. No more faking it. Take the stance of the Holy Spirit. Let's live in our identity and receive all that he has for us. Okay, Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, that you are a good father, that you want to meet us, and that you want to fill us. We thank you that we are never alone. We thank you that we are empowered to forgive, to walk in authority, to be bold for you, Jesus. So I ask today that you fill us anew. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. We want more of you always. Thank you, Father God. You are such a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. If I could have some of the prayer team come up, maybe some of the elders, and if you feel like today is a day where you need to be filled with his spirit, please come up and receive all that he has for you. Thank you. Thank you.